The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is Off Track with Inch and Rossi. For the first time in what feels like a decade, we are doing an episode in which James Hinchcliffe is not eating a sandwich. Oh, yeah. So on that note, it's Tuesday and we're doing it <laughs> later than we normally do. But I got so clearly the Internet is a thing. And I got the same notification that I did at like noon <laughs> from Panera. And I was like, hell yeah, it is Tuesday. So I did order Panera and I did eat my sandwich, but you're lucky that we're doing this late. So you don't have to deal with it. Well, not only are we doing it late from what we usually do it, but to keep with tra- the tradition, you know, James is again, five minutes late. And can't program. figure out his no, audio. I was, yeah. I was on time. I just had to work out some audio stuff. Which, the same which we didn't audio, work out. The yeah. same audio equipment <laughs> that you've had since last week that you still haven't resolved. Uh, I've been busy. All right. Doing what? I was, I was disassembling a bedroom in my house. That's what I was doing. Um, is my bedroom not there anymore? Yeah. What? Why? What did you're, actually, no, your, your bedroom is gone, Tim. Sorry. What? Yeah. This is devastating. Yeah, it's, be- it's becoming a gym, so you can still sleep on it. There'll be a bench. You know for a fact I would never voluntarily go into a gym. That's true. You know that. That's a great point. <laughs> That's exactly why I'm doing it. I'm turning the room in the house that was yours from the thing you love the most, a place to sleep, to a thing you hate the most, a James, place to exercise. James, is as someone who has a home gym. Yeah. Why? Yeah, wait, you you have why? a gym in the like but, in the area why? outside the movie theater. Yeah, what do you do? Why? What? Well, no, that that's now the sim room because the sim showed up and I had to use that space. So all the workout you, equipment had to move. How do you I race with your fifty six k fair point setup? Very good point. You know what? That is a tremendous point, and it shouldn't work in the slightest. But what's crazy is in the little bit of I racing I've done on it since it arrived, it was still better than the internet at PitFit where I was working. So I don't know. I mean, it's right I by... mean, that's not a surprise in the slightest because for sure Jim buys the four ninety nine a month internet. And by four ninety nine I mean four dollars ninety nine cents. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's true. But even that I I still thought he it probably was buys be the cricket than... wireless of Wi Fi. <laughs> so no, but like but like seriously, why why a home gym? Like walk me through the logic. So Okay. Uh, great question, Alex. Um, it's twofold. Uh, one, there are sometimes days where I cannot make it into pit fit in the morning and the afternoons are either booked or their classes or the trainers are less available. And so it gives you some options. There are days where I go to pit fit in the morning, but still want to do something different at night or in the afternoon. 
Um, Becky works out pretty much every single day, and this will stop her from having to go to COVID-infested places that have been already transferring diseases all over the greater Indianapolis area so far. Uh, so it's just to kind of, you know, it's a combination of things. It's a convenience thing and maybe like a 10%, you know, conscious of modern times. <laughs> that's that's interesting considering. It's also going to save a bunch of money because she entire, spends like. The entire reason you moved to that house was to be within two and a half minutes of your gym. So it's just, I mean, I get it. Yes. But it's is, also ironic. It is. It is. But, yes. uh, like, I mean, it's like that? rain got, on your wedding. I day. have, I, oh my God, I hate you so much. <laughs> Canadian, <laughs> though. Um, here, the best also, thing that she's got going ironic. for her is that she's an ex wife of Ryan Reynolds. That's her biggest claim to fame. Wait, Becky, uh, Dalton, I did not Becky know that. Dalton is an ex wife of Ryan Reynolds? No, Alanis honestly, as Morissette. we've covered before, probably, but I did not know that about Alanis Morissette. Also, that Alanis Morissette, yeah. Um, but no, so, so hold on. I had a train of thought there and you derailed it aggressively. Irony. It's a little too gems. ironic. Oh no. Yeah. Becky, Don't you think? Becky spends, you know, like she pays for all these like monthly class things at these places. And so it's actually going to be a savings and I have all the equipment anyway. And it's now no longer in a, it, now it's just in the hallway because the sim showed up. So I have to put it somewhere. So I might as well make like a gym room in the house. I mean, it's just. It's really just common sense at this point. That bedroom also only gets used during May when the entire family's here or when Tim passes out. And I have lots of couches <laughs> in the rooms so he can pass out in. Yeah, I do like to pass out in that room. Well, it's because it's in the basement. There's no windows. It's like the best room to sleep in. It's well, cold. No, it's I, uh, no, dark. That, that has nothing I, to do with it. It's because Tim has FOMO, so he still wants to be close to the action. While that's we're true. all that's partying true. still, right? But he wants to sleep. So we're either in the bar or in the movie theater, and he's just sleeping as close as possible to us. That's very true. You know, I I will say like I don't I obviously don't have a house. I have an apartment, but I did do something to my bedroom earlier. Um, I got a projector for the Indy Five Hundred. I, I wanted to like set it up out in the courtyard and watch it with some neighbors and stay you know socially distant, and responsible. And it was fun. It was a good time. But then I was like, all right, what am I going to do with this projector? So I just set it up in my bedroom and then I ended up getting like I went from like the sheet that you put on the wall to the proper projector pull down screen. And now I've gotten a uh, I've gotten surround sound speakers for it. So I've just turned my bedroom into a, a home theater. So you, you essentially have one less reason to leave your bedroom. You're now you're yes. now literally just short of a fridge and then you would never well, have. So to leave. basically what I was going to say is you should move your coffee table as like a base like at the base of your bed, what do they call those? Like not a bench, but yeah, yeah, like, yeah I know what that's you mean. a like an, that's a phenomenally good idea. Yeah, or so I have a or I have Tim, a desk upstairs. Tim, so I'm I can just, just gonna, get one of those. Tim, I'm just going to order you the refrigerator nightstands that that company makes. You, yeah, you. I don't know why you haven't done that yet. That's yes, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a phenomenally good why, idea because I have my. Why are you shaking your head, already. Tim or James? Why do you think I'm shaking my head, Alex? What about that plan wouldn't make me shake my head? <laughs> uh, I, I like everything plan. about it. And James, I would like you to shut up, please. Because I don't want anything hey, to James, derail this. James, he needs Alex, two nightstands I, so you can get the other one. Alex, I want to I mean, have I a, quick, like a quick sidebar. Um, so, Tim, earmuffs. Think of the bourbon <laughs> that we could buy with the money that you're making us spend on refrigerated nightstands. 
You don't think I'll also buy the bourbon, James? <laughs> I was just trying to talk you out. I know you're going to do that. I was just trying to talk you out of buying the nightstands. Before before we change Alex's mind, which we absolutely should not do, uh, it was a slow news weekend, obviously. Nothing happened in world news or racing. Correct. But uh, apparently you guys did some stuff in Indy? Yeah, I disassembled, disassembled a bedroom and... Am I crazy? Or was, was the, the race was like three days ago, right? Or was this a week and a half I'm ago? I'm still kind of thrown off on what world news happened. <laughs> some, uh, some old guy took a helicopter trip. Uh, right. right. The race, I'm not crazy, right? The race was last weekend. The race it was, was super races. last weekend. Three days ago. Yeah. You're not wrong. It was a doubleheader at the Harvest GP. So I I'm glad little- you guys decided to choose podcast time to be cagey about answers. This is great. Just pulling <laughs> teeth on a on talking on a podcast. Well, it I honestly didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> you haven't got your stuff together yet. Um, yeah. So no, we raced last weekend. It was uh, it was good. It was it was cold, which was nice. Like I, I have to say that was my most enjoyable weekend in an Indy car because it was like. Six, 55 to 70 degrees the whole time and it was just really comfortable and enjoyable to to drive like it was it was nice it was i don't know like it, it kind of made also me on happy the podium inside. both days so like that's not that's not a bad thing yeah but it, but irregardless like it was just way better <laughs> huh not a word irregardless is a word I, I I know it wasn't. I feel like it's one of those that got added and everybody got upset about it. I'm pretty it's sure it's literally just, it's just regardless. No, it is. It's in the new it's in the new Oxford American Dictionary. It's in so the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Was, yeah, that was one of those that was added a, a few years ago. Oh god. So, first of all, James, shut up. You're not from this country. Second of all, irregardless Oh my god, I'm from a country that's closer to the country that invented the language you are speaking. Yeah, but you're, yeah, but when they invented it, it was a lot different. They like we we've come a long way. We've made then. it so much better since then. <laughs> yeah, so Torque is neither such here a great nor there. The dictionary and selfie. Be that as it may, it, mm. it is. It is. By the way, uh, it is labeled as an ir, uh, a non-standard word, which means it's not Thank slang, you. but it does not conform in pronunciation, grammatical construction, idiom, or word choice to the usage generally okay. characteristic okay. of okay. educated okay. native okay. speakers here's, of the language. Here's here's the thing: it is valid in Scrabble, which is all that matters. It is, that is first Scrabble. known use was in 1795. It is valid. Yeah, in literally, Scrabble, nobody cares about that. So that's all. But that, that that's a good point, Alex. If it gets if it gets passed as an approved word on Words with Friends, then I guess you can't really argue it. So that's fair. Okay. So be that as it may, <clears throat> it was or irregardless or irregardless. <laughs> it was nice. It was great, and we had some fans back, and that was cool. It was cool to see people in the stands at Indianapolis. Um, yeah, like still double headers, don't love them. But what I will say is, I thought it was really cool that we had kind of two different length races mm-hmm. and like the double header tire rules that existed. So yeah. you had guys that like committed to, to putting all their eggs in one basket for one race or the other or whatever. And so, like, I honestly thought, like, no matter where I finished, I thought, I thought that was a really good race on, on Friday. 
Like I thought it was a, I watched it back. I thought it was awesome. No, for sure. I think, uh, so you're right. So the, the, the two distances were 85 and 75 laps for Friday and Saturday. When we raced, uh, the Indy GP back in July, it was 80 laps. So it's kind of in between. And what that ended up doing is you had one race that was pretty much a committed three stopper right from the get go. And then the second race is pretty much a committed two stopper right from the get go. But the, the tire rules are what makes it fun. So you still have to run a set of the reds. You still have to run a set of the blacks in each race. The rule gets thrown out where you have to run a set of sticker reds. So you can run use reds as your only red set. And so what that did, and the, and the red tire was by and large the more um, the more desirable tire. But what that kind of let you do was if you had a really good race going on Friday, you could like double down and hammer home the red tires on the three stop race and and commit to one good result, knowing you were going to have to pay the piper on the other side of it on Saturday. And so like that's what we saw Rina's VK do. Obviously took his first pole in his career, an incredible effort uh, from everybody at ECR and the Sonax car up on uh, up on the front row there it was great to see. Uh, another Indy Lights graduate champion getting success early in his career. Wow, in the real big NBC guy, James is. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and uh, and so, dun, dun, dun. so like, we we all called it right. We're like, yeah, that's that's what he should do. Like, if if I'm Renus and I'm Ed Carpenter, I'm like, absolutely, let's hammer those red tires and go for the win. And he got rewarded with his first podium. So that was a, that was a huge result for those guys, which was awesome. And then the counter to that is if you had a, like a garbage race going. So like Hunter Ray had a, had an issue. He got run off track and um, they kind of were like, all right, we were going to throw some more red tires at it originally, but now we're running back so far in the field. Let's just run black tires, save our reds for Saturday. And, and that's what he did there as well. So it's, it's, it was, it was cool how it worked out. And, and some guys definitely had an advantage one day over the other, a lot of us kind of just tried to do the best, you know, optimal across both races, uh, but they were definitely outliers both days. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was, it was interesting. And as much as of a shakeup that that was, you know, it was, it was really nice for all of us that you know Penske returned to form, you know, after they so <laughs> so severely so severely underperformed in July. It was good. Nice for to, Roger to get, catch a break. Yeah, it yeah. was good of, of of Joseph and Will to uh, <laughs> keep that going. Um, so that's neat for them. Well, I mean, you you did you got two podiums. That's I mean, yeah, no, like honestly, here's the thing, <clears throat> like that's me as as Alex the person, like eh, I don't it doesn't really make me that happy. You know, we're all here to win. But Alex is the guy who has had a IndyCar year from hell in 2020. Like, it, it's nice. It, it's great for the the guys. It, it's good for, for everyone to kind of get that kind of morale boost. Um, with with the year that we've had, it's been it's been pretty pretty garbage. So um, I'll count my blessings from that standpoint. And uh, yeah, St. Saint Pete's going to be great. I mean, I'm excited about St. Pete. You know, none of us, none of the teams have any any idea about really the arrow screen on a street course. Um, so that's going to be a whole new kind of um, can of worms to, to unpack and, and see how that goes. So it'll be interesting. It's going to be pretty warm because it's Florida. Um, and when, when James and I went to Bible study in Florida uh, last month, you know, it was still pretty hot. Um, so yeah, that, that's going to be, that's going to be interesting. St. Pete's always one of the hardest physical races of the year. James, do you think, that because it's not the first race, it's still going to be kind of up there in terms of physicality? I think it's going to be less of an impact than we normally feel in that first race. 
Um, I think everybody just gets race fit over the season. Obviously, I'm still playing catch up, but like even in in Indy GP, I, I felt pretty good. I, and the temperature, I think you you nailed that. That was a huge huge part of it. But uh, no, I don't think it's going to be all things being equal. I think it would have been slightly less of a of a physical strain. Still going to be one of the most physical races of the year, just because of the type of circuit and the length of the race. But the question mark is obviously the aero screen. Does the added heat just really make it an unbearable like had this been the first race i almost questioned like not knowing how hot the indy gp was in july i almost questioned whether guys would have survived had this been the first race of the season uh so it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see and it's going to be a very very tough weekend for everybody um it's not a double header which is nice that's uh, that's helpful in those conditions certainly but it's yeah, crazy but we, to think we still get we, no practice yeah <laughs> <laughs> That is true. It's still a two-day event. Uh, we do get fans. 20,000 people were approved to uh, to be there, which is, I mean, I can't imagine they have much more than that on a normal race weekend on a day. So I feel like it's going to be fairly busy. I imagine they're still going to do, they're still going to keep the uh, like limitations on, on paddock and things like that, right? Yeah, I believe it's still going to be like a, a roster program where you, to be in the paddock, you got to be part of the IndyCar roster and uh, no fans will be allowed. So it, it'll still be a very different vibe. There won't be the autograph session. There won't be fans in the garage area. Um, you know, we're all, we're all kind of building back up to that stuff. But um, it's just funny because we normally start the season every year with a, with a street course and now we're ending it with our first street course. So it's, it's kind yeah. of crazy how, uh, you know, this is normally kind of, I think we do more street course events than anything else because of the doubleheader in Detroit. You've got Toronto, Long Beach, St. Pete. Like it's a, it's a hefty combination of street races. And next year, even more so with the addition of Nashville. But uh, yeah, first time with the Euro screen, the setups, nobody knows. As Alex says, we get tons of non-existent practice to uh, work it all out. So it's, it's going to be... Physically, from an engineering standpoint, from just a logistics standpoint, it's going to be a very tough weekend, and we're going to crown a champion. So, Tim kind of brought this up in our pre-podcast notes. For for those that think Tim does nothing, I mean, he doesn't really. But I worked. I'll give him. I'll give him credit. Eight minutes before we're scheduled to go on, he sends (laughs) this list of topics that we should talk about, which is fine. But like you mentioned, we're going to crown a champion, James. Um, which is going to be Scott Dixon, but you know, it's still going to be potentially not, um, it still but technically also, went down to the last race. It did, which is, I mean, Hey, that's IndyCar racing, which is, which is awesome. For sure. Um, but I think Tim brought up the, the fight for 22nd. And for those of you that don't know what the fight for 22nd is, Either James or Tim should explain it because I don't really know either, but I know it's really important. Um, <laughs> no, I kind of, I, I like just had to look up everything about leader yeah, I don't, circle I don't this really, last week. I don't really get it. All right. But I guess I should probably take this one. Um, so. You know, I can, should I get Hazel? We can get Hazel's, <laughs> we, we can get Hazel's input on it after. Uh, so the She'll leader circle play. program is play, right. a program that IndyCar started back when Champ Car and IndyCar merged in 2008. And essentially, it's an incentive package um, that is given to any car entrant that commits to the full IndyCar calendar for the following year. And to be eligible for this, this incentive package, you have to finish in the top 22 in owner's points. So it's, it's the car that gets the points in why this case, not the driver. Why top 22? Why is it not the full-time 
all the full-time cars. I, I, I don't know why they landed on 22. I think there was a time when it was all the full-time cars, but we didn't used to have like 23, 25 full-time cars. And it's, it's a lot of money. I mean, essentially it's a, it's a financial incentive, right? So, um, I I was just always under the impression. And I think a lot of people are that it's all full-time cars just automatically get this. Yeah, I, kind of I think for that a long time well. that just sort of happened, right? Just kind of by nature of of cars that actually ran every single race, there weren't that many. Um, but obviously, the right. series is in a healthy spot, and we've grown, and we have a lot of good teams and good drivers and good cars. And so now this is the situation. And so this year there were technically twenty three full time entrants uh, that are you know looking to come back next year, which means that one well, car then, is going to be I, left I feel out. Like- and, and we haven't explained what what they get. So basically, IndyCar subsidizes, and for everybody who qualifies in the last year, that car gets a million dollars from IndyCar for their budget, right? It's it's slightly more complicated and convoluted than that. It's a series of uh, things. Some of it is cash. Some of it is you know breaks on whether it's entry fees or whatever you know. But it's all in all, it, it sort of totals up to about you know, yeah, a million dollars sort of stimulus to your to your car budget for that season. So it's and a very explain, valuable explain, thing. Explain, explain the entrants aren't drivers. So, right. So, yeah, it's the car. So a great example uh, that was going to be a good example from the start of the season is the 20 car because uh, Ed Carpenter Racing had Connor Daly signed up to run all the road street tracks and then Ed was going to run all the ovals. And uh, the, the, the car, the 20 car, wherever it finished, was getting owner points. So that's where the kind of car points come from. So even though when, when Connor would swap over to the Carlin car for the ovals, he'd be adding points to his driver's championship position. The 20 car was going to be collecting points off how Ed was finishing. Uh, so same situation with me now in the 26. So all the points up to this weekend... Uh, counted and even though Zach's now not in the car I got in the car the points that I accumulate go towards the 26 cars points so it's it's like it's almost like two championships running side by side you got the, the owner's points and the driver's points right okay so so this year there's 23 cars 22 of those cars are going to get the million and a half and it's three three cars which is the 14 the 20 and the 98 that are going to be fighting it out in St. Pete for arguably something that's almost more important than the championship not for for bragging rights per se but you know the the guy their season yeah the guy that finishes first and second the championship like well a they're going to get the leader circle money but b those cars are probably healthy going into 21 in terms of budgets right because they have right on track results and, and everything for the car that's fighting for 22nd they've had a bad year for whatever reason right so they're they're banking on the leader circle money coming through to help offset the difficult year that they had this past year. So in a lot of ways, it's almost more important than the championship, whoever finishes well, 22nd. And, and those cars, so I mean, the 14, do they have they announced who's going to be in that car? Yeah, it's Bourdais. It's Bourdais, yeah. Okay, so, so Bourdais in. Uh, for the 98 Marco, I think this is a contract year. They haven't announced a renewal. And then for the 20, I mean, Ed owns the car, but that... I feel like that that team would be hurting a lot if they lost out on that. So, I mean, the, these are three cars that definitely need this right now. And so, I mean, more, the, the yeah, more is, exactly is, to your point, Alex. There's yeah, like there's there's really no cars that don't need it because a lot of times when you're building your budgets as a as a team owner, 
you're sort of taking leader circle into account, you know, like it's that sort yeah. of so if something your budget, you if your budget's on. X, it's X minus one. And it's, right, and it's really exactly. hard to go to sponsors and say, Hey, give us more money because we didn't do well last year. Well, exactly. And so you're, you're left scrambling, trying to figure out how to, how to fill that, that gap. And, uh, and yeah, so, it's, it's I a mean, huge realistically, challenge. is this something where you think Roger comes in and understands this has been a bad year for everybody and they're going to, maybe they just extend, expand it. Like I, I, I can't imagine I any honestly, cars in a position where they want to lose cars. I can't imagine they're in a position where they want to spend more money though. I mean, you also got to think yeah, of the financial too. hit that Roger's taken, you know, by, by yeah. having to survive 2020 as the owner of the speedway and of the owner of the series. And, you know, it's, um, and that's not to say you lose the car, right. It's just to say that that particular, whoever that car ends up being, uh, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a more stressful off season trying to, trying to fill that gap, but it's, it's not impossible. Cars have joined the series that didn't have, you know, a leader circle entry. When you create a new entry, you don't, uh, you don't often get that. Um, so there, are, you know, there are like, I don't know, for example, Marcus Erickson, right. Switched over to Ganassi in a third car. They did not run a third car last year. The number eight was not in the owner's points. Oh, yeah. I don't actually yeah. know if that car had leader circle money behind it for 2020. It will for 21, you know, Marcus is, is within that. So if, if he comes back and he's in the eight car, then that, that money will be available for that car. But new entrants are created without the benefit of leader circle all the time. So it's, it, it is a kick in the nuts, but, uh, but I, I, you know, I feel like it's, it's a, it's a hurdle you can overcome. It's just not one you really want to, nobody wants to lose a million yeah. bucks. Yeah, wow, that's. I, I guess in my head, until I, I saw something on on Twitter about it, I just assumed it was all full time entrance. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a wild wild scenario, um, and it's it, I mean, it adds excitement to the final race, right? I, I hope that NBC kind of covers that as much as they cover you know the the fight between Joseph and Scott, because I think if, that if only we knew somebody still employed at NBC. Is he still employed? <laughs> Are you still an NBC employee, or did so, they take your badge? Isn't he an independent contractor? Can you go I'm to the can you go contractor? To, uh, to the what? Like uh, I assume, like NBC, like uh, if you were on the NBC lot, would you be able to eat at the employee commissary, or would they just be like, "Nah, get the hell out of here"? So, so definitely not, because I am not an employee. I've never been an employee. I've been an independent contractor, and I am still that because I'm working Petit Le Mans next weekend, uh, or not next weekend, the weekend after. Uh, oh, for you're going and Sebring. I will be going covering your beautiful entry in the number seven Acura DPI for Penske Racing. Yes, and get a thumbs up. I got the right number. Um. Cool. Is it bad that I didn't even know you were racing that? I mean, no, <laughs> it's quite. It's I, quite I, I knew I knew James was commentating. I had no idea you were racing there. No, that's that's fine, Tim. Um, I don't care what you're doing next weekend either. To be honest, uh, I was thinking oh, about maybe coming out and watching it now that I know that's, you're racing. That's that's uh, that's cool, James. Um, when you can go, I stay on your bus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what are you going? I is it? Are you guys on track Thursday? It's yeah. like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm so excited and equally night. equally terrified um, because, well, I've never driven at Road Atlanta, and 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 
Road, they've already had a race at Road Atlanta this year. James is jumping up and down on the screen. What would you like to say, James? I do have something to add here, and I'm very happy about it. So oh boy. It's, well, it's well documented, <laughs> both on this podcast and anyone that's ever spoken to Alexander Rossi, how much he hates Sims, hates driving on Sims, hates the home stuff, hates iRacing, hates all that stuff. And uh, when he admitted to me or revealed to me the other day that he had never driven at Road Atlanta, which I didn't know, um, it's a great track. It's one of the best road courses in the country. And he said he'd never been there. I cheekily said, hey, would you like to swing by and use my sim to learn the track? Knowing the answer was going to be no. And also being very proud that I just had this new sim. And uh, he was like, no, absolutely not. Of course not. So then like three days later, I get a text message from Alex out of the blue. <laughs> and he goes, hey, I'm reconsidering taking you up on your offer. And I said, I am going to need some clarity on which offer it is you're referring to. And he said, learning Road Atlanta on the sim. And it was just this beautiful moment of victory where Alexander Rossi has resigned himself to learning a racetrack on a home sim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm Something not, I'm he hasn't done point. since... About a year ago, you, when we went to Bathurst, well, you, you know, can't you can't re-steal the Steinbrenner uh, sim. You know, well, first of all, no. Second of all, <laughs> he changed the locks. Second of all, James, you know, Bathurst went so well for us. I figured <laughs> I might as well just follow in our footsteps as much as so, possible. So here's the thing: there are two distinct advantages you have uh, compared to the Bathurst scenario. The first being you've driven the car before. Right. Right. The second being the track only has like 10 corners compared to like 25 corners. And the third being you don't have a teammate holding you down this time. That's that's no, not true have, at all. Unless you're talking you about two, the amazing race. You have two teammates propping you up. <laughs> Facts. Yeah, I didn't mean you don't have a teammate. I meant you don't have... Teammate that you had at Bathurst. Well, well. So here's the thing. Like, I've I've actually never never really been in this position. I'm I'm excited and it's awesome to kind of go into. So usually, you know, at at this point in the year, Petit Le Mans is kind of the finale, and I've never never been able to do it. Um, so all of my endurance racing has kind of been at the beginning of the year, where yeah, you're trying to do a good job, but quite frankly, the championship isn't really a factor at this point. Well, now the, the seven Acura DPI car is on a, on a streak of three wins, and they're mm-hmm. like firmly in the championship fight. And now their final two races are Petit Le Mans and the 12 Hours of Sebring, both of which I'm competing in. So for me, it's a whole new experience to kind of be the, the third guy, um, the guy who's you know, not, not, not full time in the car and, and kind of just the endurance guy, but like also heavily invested in trying to help them win a championship so it's um so yeah i mean it's uh it's exciting to, to kind of does that like do you feel more pressure than you have oh, when you've raced 100%, other places 100 percent, 100 percent. because before it's so like, even though like but like you've done daytona for them the daytona 24 is their indy 500 right like that's their hallmark race that everybody wants to win and you've been a part of that but you're feeling that the pressure of being in a championship fight is more than just trying to win that one race I think I think so. Okay, so let's put it this way. Let's look at it like a really a really weird, twisted, backwards way. If okay. you were to wreck the car while leading at Daytona, 
would you feel better or worse than if you were to wreck the car leading at Petit Le Mans, knowing that there are two races to go in a championship That's a fight? horrible question, and I'm not going to answer <laughs> that. That's so mean. Why would you put that evil on me? I'm not. No, I'm just, it's a hypothetical. Clearly, that's no, not going to happen. I'm not answering that. I'm not answering that. <laughs> I, would kill, I would probably kill myself in both scenarios. Fair enough. All right. All right. Good to know. Well, Good to know. So if you want to watch uh, Alex, not Kill himself. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do we watch it? How do we watch? I how don't do we watch know. It's clearly on NBC. James? I yeah. don't know. Like, Sorry for trying to help. <laughs> it's, on, it's on television. Uh, well, there was one other thing I wanted to jump in. Hazel does have a question, but there is one other thing I wanted to cover just real quick before we, we get to that on um, for the Indy races. James, you were back with Andretti Autosport, but you were in a different car. And I was just wondering if how how different or how how similar things are jumping from a different car in the same team. Like you, you have a different crew chief or is it the same crew chief from the one you had before? That That kind of thing. Yeah, no, all very good questions. So what we sort of did was I, I stepped into to the crew that's been running the 26 car from the kind of mechanic standpoint, but we decided to carry over the engineering team that I had been working with, uh, with 29 and my three races earlier in the year to kind of keep that relationship going. And, you know, we'd already worked together. So it was kind of easier to step into this scenario and, and not have to learn working with somebody new. Uh, and, you know, we'd already run a race at Indy GP together. So that kind of made sense. So we sort of had a hybrid crew of the 29 engineering staff and, and the 26 mechanics. Um, the car itself, you know, it's, it's it's a different chassis, certainly. But, you know, uh, the cars are all prepared pretty similar. But one thing was different that was kind of funny and ended up being a bit of an issue was, you know, I went in to get fit in the car. And the heel rest was a little closer to me than I normally like. So... Because Zach's like five foot tall. So yeah, Zach is shorter than I am. And and like they adjusted it. Like they they tried to make measurement. They took measurements off the 29 car that I drove and, and tried to apply them to the 26. And everything else was was spot on. But the heel rush was just a little bit close. And we made a small adjustment to it. And it still felt a little close. But I'm like, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's just, you know, it's just a heel rush. No big deal. Evidently, very big deal. And what that ended up doing... <laughs> which is so bizarre. And I never in a million years would have thought of this. And it, it, it took me several hours after the race to, to figure it out. But about 15 laps into the race, there was a muscle in my back on the right side that was absolutely in agony. And I could not figure out why. And it, it did not get better over the subsequent 60 laps or whatever it was. Uh, 65 laps, or, yeah, 60 laps of the race. 70 laps of the race. 85 laps on... Friday. Anyway, it's fun to watch you do math in your head out loud. It's good. Yeah, you can almost hear the gears <laughs> grinding. Yeah, uh, but so it, it was. Uh, it was very painful, and and I realized that it was every time I hit the brakes, pulling my right foot off the throttle and making sure it stayed off the throttle in the corner was engaging this muscle in my back. It just got so sore because it's not what I normally use and. I couldn't figure it out. And so, you know, I got out of the car. I was, in, I was quite a bit of discomfort and I was talking to my trainer about it. And I said, Hey, if the heel rest was a little too close, cause he was talking about like my hips being out of alignment. So basically long story short, because the, where the, the heel rest was, my right hip was being pushed back into the seat in a way that's abnormal. And when I had to move my leg, it was just engaging this muscle I never have to use. And so 
my back was absolutely scorched after that first race and we made an adjustment luckily to the hill rest for uh for saturday and it was all sort of fine the next day but that was one of those small things that is different so would your, car to car would your, so would your back have been more able to deal with the the wrong position of the heel rest if you didn't have two buttholes or is that irrelevant? <laughs> I was gonna say just to summarize, James Hinchcliffe is complaining because he sat funny. Just if anybody was curious. Well, as as enjoyable as this topic is, and I'm sure our listeners are loving it, um, Hazel did have another question. If uh, if you guys are up for it, questions Wait, by Hazel. So, it's the best so, part of the podcast. I mean. It, it it is a good part of the podcast, but Tim, are you just now just taking your liberties to include your daughter yeah. in this whenever you want, or is that no? It's it's like, a lot more that I I don't want to keep talking to you. We actually would also prefer that we can talk to ourselves, yeah. no so problem. We're not sure we're not sure why like, you actually talk. Like, yet again, we're, we're we don't know why you're here. Yeah, no, I'm. It's a mystery to me as well. Um, my entire life is just that shrugging emoji. I've come to terms with it. Uh, but anyways, uh, Hazel does have a question. Hi, Hazel. What's better, a short flight or a long drive? Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to let James start this one off because as he's the resident Canadian and has to drive from Indiana to Toronto quite often, and he also flies quite often, I'll let, he probably has more of an opinion than I do more insight on this. So that, so that's a great question, Hazel. Thanks for asking it. And I mean, it really depends if I'm, if I'm going back home to Toronto and I want to bring my dogs and I want to, I'm going for a long time and I have a lot of luggage. Sometimes it's nice to drive and driving can be kind of a fun way to spend a day and road trip with Becky and the dogs. But at the same time, you can fly really quick. You know, it takes about eight hours to drive. It only takes about an hour and a half to fly. And when you fly, you don't have to worry about anything. Like when you're driving, you're obviously focused on the road the whole time and trying to be safe and follow all the laws. Where in the plane, you can just read a book or have a nap. So that's a tough call. But I think if I had to choose, I'd go with short flight. I would choose short flight every single time irregardless of how much luggage or dogs I have. Um, we know irregardless is a word. We already discussed this. And uh, my both my dogs are emotional support animals. Um, so it's really nice to fly with them. Um, you're kind of both wrong. <laughs> oh. I mean... Oh, okay. I was not aware this was a right or wrong scenario. I thought this was just a personal preference. But so please, please, please tell me, Hazel. tell me, Hazel, what's your favorite road trip that you've taken as a um, six-year-old? Um, I think it's when. Mm. Yeah, same. <laughs> I think it's when I. Drove to Florida from Indiana. You enjoyed that? Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. What, what was, was your Daddy favorite part about that? Um, my favorite part was... Um, I really liked where um, I didn't have to... Um, like. Well, I liked where... I, we could stop a lot of places and get and snacks. We could, 
Yeah. Yeah. So your favorite part about road trips are snacks? No. <laughs> My favorite part about road trips is you can spend more time. Hmm. Spoken like a true either retired person or <laughs> Now, true traveler, you got to see the country from the ground. You don't see anything from the air. I respect your answer, Hazel, even if I don't necessarily agree. Here's the other thing, Hazel, is, you know, obviously it takes a lot longer to drive than fly. And you're only six, so you have a lot of time ahead of you. I'm super old. I, I don't have as much time as you do. And so I need to get things done. I need to get things moving. And so that's why flying is better for me. Plus, plus it's hard for James to stay awake for that long because of how old he is. That is true. I do need regular apps. Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Tim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Tim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean Finn. The legends are true. With overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.